championship week with the dream preview. <laughs> to my left, Steve Fezzik, two-time Super Contest champion. To my right, A.J. Hoffman has some deep insights on Stafford and Garoppolo. I got to say, that was not one of your finest moments on the radio when you said, well, Stafford was cold, then he got hot. The question is, does Jimmy That's G get hot? not what I'm saying. Well, <laughs> well I, let's save it. Let's save the right. brilliance for later. I don't I'm, know there's brilliance. I just think that I think you're going out on a limb to assume that Jimmy G is suddenly going to well, no, not be a pumpkin anymore. What I was anymore. saying was, I didn't even know what you were Did you hear this? I did. It, did and I want to say for record, it, Jimmy G is a very attractive man. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Fact, well, that, that, was, that cash is at minus 500. Isn't <laughs> I mean, again, it, it, we, got, we, got the, we got the proof positive on that. I love Jimmy G. With the tenor, the, the, the bourbon, 2 a.m. But w- go ahead. And you notice how it's always on the post-game interviews, it is always a woman that's interviewing him. I've never seen a man interview him. Well, I don't think there's many. Uh, those are the sideline reporters, right? Aren't they all women or mostly women? Ross Tucker does it sometimes. What, like, does Ross Tucker just say, I'm not interviewing Jimmy G? Yeah, yeah I don't want to. So. I don't want that contrast. <laughs> Last week, a winning week, Rams was our pick, and that was AJ was the originator on that. Oh, and, and RJ, I didn't notice that. And then Buffalo first quarter, AJ. And By the hook. Yeah, and we'll talk about that because we'll probably play a quarter here. So let's wait. But it was a good and it was good eye. You saw value there. And and Faz, you were like screaming, hey, plus a half, plus a half. Well, seven seven. And then um somehow Fez is over San Fran. Mr. Weather, how did you go over? Yeah. I don't think I don't know if it was the weather. I think I would have lost an 80 degrees in that yeah, game. But but the weather had an effect. It, it did. It most certainly did. And I do think in, uh, that, that we should do a study in the offseason because here's what I'm interested in. I know historically if the weather's below 10, the scoring is down. Mm-hmm. The question is, what about when the weather's below 10 without wind? Right. Because if it's wind, is it is it the weather or the wind, right? But Because there wasn't big wind in this game. And there, the, there wasn't, but like there was right in the first quarter, San Francisco, the California team, two of the receivers dropped wide open passes. And, it's not. It wasn't shocking that Jimmy G didn't play well in that weather. It, to me, it was shocking that Aaron Rodgers, who is more accustomed to playing in that type of weather, played the way he did. I I, I wish I would have looked up what Aaron Rodgers has historically done sub ten degrees. I, I don't know that, that that how easy that is to find. But I think that Mima Mina Kimes was saying that maybe with Favre and then Rodgers, Green Bay was at a disadvantage because of the you know frozen tundra. It's a good point. Well, why, if you have the best quarterback yeah. and, and and the like, and obviously the worse the playing conditions are, the more it levels the playing field. Uh, yeah. Does that make you? That you're, so you're talking about the field itself or the the, the weather conditions? The, the, geographically, being where they are, that's going to have a high you know frequency of bad weather in January. In yeah, I, I guess that makes some sense. And I was thinking about Josh Allen, who plays in a similar climate. But I he's, think he's a great example because his physical skills, in theory, like the theory about Favre and Rodgers is being used to it should help you. Well, mm-hmm. now uh, Josh Allen is used to it. Plus, he's got physical skills, a strong arm that helps in the wind and the ability to and, run. And he's a big, strong guy, so point. like a big running back. He, yeah, he, he has the edge there. By the way, I've beaten Johnny once in a race the past eighteen months mm-hmm. with snow on the ground. Couldn't run with snow on the ground. It, it leveled the playing field. I beat him. <laughs> oh, so wait. wait. He normally beats you? 
Oh, yeah. How old is he? 10. He's going to be 11. What the? Well, when you're running away from the bullies, you get fast. I'm 58. I know, but I mean. I got to be honest with you. I, I would take an even money bet. With, how, we uh, 30 yards. You against? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'd bet Johnny. All right, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Good luck. Your runs uh, cross country. What about Johnny against me? Cross country. Well, first off, I want to go 100 yards, not 30. First you. off, I, I've got. I don't. I know you like to pow in and like try to get. In, I've got the bat. Okay, we'll you've got it. Happens. I just wanted to see what the odds were. Like if whoever it, wins, we'll talk about that. Okay. My shoulder still hurts catching one of your passes. So All right. <laughs> attempting to catch. But it was a Nerf ball. Didn't matter. It threw it like a <laughs> missile. All right. So I'm the Josh Allen of pregame. A lot of people don't know that. So the question with the in with the, the dark, <laughs> the question with the injuries is, or, or with the weather is. Is does the familiarity of Green Bay, let's say historically, benefit more than the downside of evening the playing field? Now, obviously, I in, thought it would. Well, but boy, I tell you, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken. Favre didn't lose a game in Lambeau in the playoffs until, and I just heard this recently, until it was, um, oh, the running quarterback that was by the Falcons, Michael uh, Vick. Michael Vick. Michael oh. Vick. Yeah. That, so. Uh, I haven't thought of him for, boy, I, after he was a backup for the Steelers, I just blocked it out how bad he was there. But he was older. But that's an interesting question. But we don't have it this week. We got one game in a dome. And KC's weather, what are we hearing there? Looked good. 40s. Yeah, not a big deal. 40s, yeah. yeah. Okay. So weather shouldn't be a factor. This so here's what we're going to do today is we were 2-1 and one last week, and we are going to go with a forced side or total. So game side, game total. On one game, it's forced. So you're going to have three picks that are either side or total from us. Then at the end of the show, we're going to have, through debate, through hoodwinking, through whatever, maybe threats of the green button, we're going to have one side or total that's the show's best bet. Then each of us is going to have a forced single other type of bet, prop, more likely derivative, and then we'll have a show. You know what we'll do? Let's go to... Uh, derivative, so we'll have three picks in the portfolio, not two each, but two that are the show each, or we can do two each. So one or two each, mm -hmm. based on what you like, and then we'll end up having two for the show. And at the end, you got a three card package. I think it sounds good. Here we go. Showtime! Woo! So Bengals, Chiefs. This line is a good line. We get hard on the bookmakers, but six and a half is going to get all Chiefs. I think Bengals at seven and a half gets sixty-five percent. I think I think the sharp opinion right now is more towards KC. Would you agree with that? I'm not saying you, but just out there in the zeitgeist. Yes, the fa mere fact that six and a half got gobbled so fast. So you saw the openers were six and a half and seven, but the literally like two minutes after the six and a halves popped, the pros immediately took it and went to seven. Whereas a couple of the seven and a halves popped up and they disappeared, but they were. What up. was the vig? It was minus one fifteen. Yeah, and they okay. disappeared, but it took a little while. You know, it wasn't it was it was clear and obvious we want to lay six and a half. It's not as obvious whether we want to take the Bengals at seven and a half. And yeah. I, some of that could be when it opened six and a half, the odds of it going to like five is almost zero. That's a good point. I mean, it felt like that was a bad opener to be the honest. The old asymmetric type of yeah. situation. It's like, hey, there's there's not only is going to seven more significant, so thus if you want to lay it, you'd rather risk or do it now because the downside isn't so bad. If Even if it drops a little bit, it's not a big deal. I'm saying can you imagine Kansas City at minus five and a half? No. 
So that tells you the line was kind of wrong. I think it's six and a half. I think I think so. I think maybe what they neglected was just the fact that the. Maybe some said, well, they played, you know, at the end of the year, and Cincinnati won. That's a plus. But I think that's a minus. I think the fact what? that— What? Really? Yeah, yeah. All but, right, so we're segueing in. Um, but but we agree right now, consensus opinion, it feels actually pretty strong. 75-25 is towards KC. Would you agree with that, with, with sharper batters? Yes. Okay. So is this going to be your—for uh, one of your—your your one pick? No. Okay. So what's your—is this your one pick? My my one pick will be on oh. the total of this game. Okay. All right. So we'll go to you next. My one pick is not on this game. So, Faz, give your opinion. My opinion would be a strong lean to the over in the this over. game. Over. Okay. And, and that current number is 54. And yeah. 54 and a half in some spots. And and I know it opened 51 and in some places and immediately got steamed up. But after, 54 is a key number. But yeah, yeah. I guess if they go overtime, 24 all, and then you know what happens. Well, 51 is a key number, so 54, yeah. Exactly right. Um, I can't get past the fact that, you know, Buffalo, AJ's been talking about that Buffalo defense being like the the best in the the world all year long. I I actually agree with them. I do think it's a pretty (laughs) good— The best in the world? It's a lot better than the Bengal defense. Okay. So the fact that Kansas City—I know they've had some real stinkers offensively compared to expectation, but the fact that Buffalo couldn't stop Mahomes at all— I have to believe that they're going to have Kansas City had all kinds of success playing the Bengals recently in a game they lost. I think they're going to continue to have success offensively. They're going to put up, you know, their 35, their 31 to 35 points. And I just see another shootout coming back to back 42 points for Kansas City. And now, you know, they got their Kansas City on defense, you know. Buffalo didn't get stopped at all in that game. And I could certainly see Cincinnati especially in the second half, being balls to the wall and being ultra-aggressive in the second half in this game to try to keep up. So early bet splits, 80% of the cash on the Chiefs, 69% of the tickets on the Chiefs. I think Bengals, especially if it goes to 7.5, will be a fairly public underdog. I think that Joe Burrow and over a touchdown is an appealing bet for the, the sharper squares out there. If I if I'm in the sharper squares category, then well, that's that's what kinda. that's what I'd be waiting for. I, I would like the Bengals at seven and a half. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure you're wrong. I mean, the fact it's staying seven right here tells you the seven and a half probably offers value because if not, why isn't the seven being bet more? And right? do you feel safe if Kansas City's up twelve in the fourth midway through the fourth quarter? You know, you're feeling rather exposed at that point. The one thing though, Casey. It being the playoffs, and RJ, you pioneered this really nicely. How teams play differently. You know, up 12 in the fourth quarter when they're in the playoffs and during the regular season. Where so, how would you describe that? Uh, go for the throat. Just, just keep ball. Just keep the ball in the if air. You, if the coach has a propensity to be aggressive, yes. I think some coaches tighten up though. Yeah, that's a good right. Point. I mean, so if you've got that's a new point. age coach, like Green Bay kind of tightens up, like like well, even Rogers. This is something I think that's pervasive with Rogers is he doesn't want to throw interceptions right. so badly that he and when he gets the lead, mathematically it kind of makes sense. I want to take even less risks, but now the balance is it just takes one play the other way. Would you say, if speaking of the line and the bet splits, is if you like the Chiefs, do you play it? Now, because yeah, I don't yes. see it going to seven and a half or six. I and don't half. see a six and a half appearing. And and you know, frankly, we've spoken about this. You talk all the time about oh, teams playing with house money, right? Team gets an upset win and they're loose the following game. I don't, I don't buy into that. I think it's bad for a team when a team when Cincinnati goes to Tennessee, 
They're an underdog. They're all in for that game, and they get that win. First playoff road win in 50 years in, in Bengal history. I disagree with you mm. on this one. I think the week before was that game. When mm. they beat the Raiders, it was the first win in what? Since 92? Yeah, Icky Woods. So now I was worried, and I like Tennessee last week. I was worried about that, for, or not worried, but I was hoping for it for Cincy because I like Tennessee. I think you had the right side. Maybe. I don't know. But I think you make it on all four games, you can make an argument you had the right side. Not the Rams. No, I don't think not save the maybe the Rams. I don't think anyone that had the Bills could have had the right side. That was a lock. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying is now it feels like it's like a man on a mission, a team on a mission. Right? Is mm. I don't think you win that one game and then overcome the next one. I, I think the excite I saw Burrow's interview after. He looked like he, he wasn't even celebrating it. It was like he's ready for the he's next one. Tired game. of being the underdog. Yeah. It's, so yeah. I, it feels like I, when they beat when they won in Cincy, it was a celebration. Yeah. This felt like business. Some of the stuff that Joe Burrow said, like after the first playoff win, and he was like, get used to it. Normally, I would hear that and I'd be like, oh, "This asshole!" But for some reason, with Joe Burrow, I I, I kind of believe him. I've, I've come, I've done a 180 on Joe Burrow. Yeah, it, it, I I see your point. It's touchy feely, like the the logic of this, but it does feel like that he's not coming at it as a smart ass. He's he's coming at it as a team leader, likable yeah. and cocky, and is Joe team, Montana style. Well, confident, confident, and a team leader. And you know what? Anyone with half a brain understands. The Bengals need someone to take the culture over because if someone's going to be more passive. That's a great point because what team is like in the last 20 years, what team do we say has a worse culture than the Bengals? Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville, okay, maybe. maybe Lions, maybe, but this Ooh, is there's a small group. Right, but do you yeah. remember when the, when the Bengals had like seven or eight guys on the team that had been cast off from other – like they had Pac-Man Jones and Vontez Burfitt, guys that no one else the wanted. The criminals, yeah. But, but, but that was them saying, you know, that was them saying we're going to be like the um, some Western movie where all the gunfighters that got kicked out. Of there. I mean, I'm not sure that's a sign of a losing team. Remember, Marvin Lewis's stats there were pretty impressive. I mean, they made the playoffs, what, like four times? Yeah. So – but let's say this – the amount of money they spend, they're the cheap, one of the cheapest teams in the league. They don't even Always have a have full complement of scouts, from what I hear. So he's coming in and saying, I'm going to change the culture with my confidence. When is the last time, and you're a Bengals fan, you can probably answer this. When's the last time the Bengals had a player that you said, that's a guy I really believe in who can who can get our team somewhere? Boomer Esiason. When was that, 1990? Like a, a, yeah. yeah, I mean. I think Carson Wentz at a certain point had some support. Carson Palmer, right? Carson Palmer. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Carson Palmer. I, I agree with that. You know, it's unfortunate Palmer had the, the ACL injury because if he hadn't had that, you know, that who knows what would have might have happened. It was a coincidence the Steelers did that, by the way. Yes. <laughs> that was in that was when Steelers, if I'm not mistaken, won the four, Super Bowl 40. They were a road team in that first game mm. against uh, Carson Palmer. And if I remember, Steelers were minus three in that game. And then I think it was uh, – I can't remember the guy's name. It starts with an O, hit, hit him. Like he kind of hopped at the end and put his helmet in his knee. I'm not saying it was intentional, but today that played – well. That plays penalized today, big time. So, do you think revenge was Vontez perfect on Antonio Brown? No, no I'll, I'll tell you this. I've watched football, you know, my whole life, and I've watched Steeler games closely for a long time. 
the Bengals are the only team that I felt like during those perfect years that it, it, it was criminal behavior. They were really trying to hurt somebody. I, I think it was criminal behavior. I, I, I agree with that. Let me ask you about, you know, Burrow's been sacked now, I think it's 10 straight games, two or more times. Mm-hmm. He's always under duress. Two or more. He was sacked nine times. I know, I know. But that, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that. Joe it, Burrow's looking at a two-sack day like, yes. And the numbers are trending the wrong way, as you indicated. I, I think like he's averaged like five like the last six weeks. At some point... Uh, you know, I'm looking at Joe Mixon, and he's his over-under is right around 60 yards, and it's like the Bengals, to win this game, are going to have to air it out and match Kansas City. But can they afford to, 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 to be winging it the whole game with um, with Burrow and, and the amount of sacks he's taken? I, I think they do. I think they dance with what's brung them at this point because in the second half of the season, no teams run more empty sets than the Bengals. And when did their offense start to take off is when they started running empty. And it's crazy that they did it because Joe Mixon was so good at the beginning of the season. It looked like he was one of the better backs in the league. And they're like, fundamentally, we're done with that. And and they've just committed to not not having running backs. And back pursuant there. to this, this is going to be my prop bet. Mixon under 59.5 rush yards. Okay, so my first question is, let's take a look at Mixon's carries Mackenzie, um, starting with the Baltimore game, uh, the second Baltimore game, and throw out week 18. So I just want to get call. a feel, since this shift has happened, and I think that Baltimore game where they threw at the end, of the, it was kind of like what was happening before was the way that the Cincinnati head coach got fired was he his Burrow gets hurt again. Right. Beginning of the year, it felt like he was running the ball to the detriment of the team's performance, but it was protecting Burrow. Now, at a certain point, it was like, okay, it's your team, go. I think around that Baltimore game, it was that. The I, first Baltimore game or the second, second one? one yeah. Second one, second one. And maybe it was a little bit, but that was where he made the first statement, you know, 525 yards or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And it feels like since then, and week 18 obviously eliminated, we didn't play. It's been about, it hasn't been about trying to run the ball. I agree. Mixon, though, did play in week 18. But it doesn't okay, matter. But it's a, but it's a it's different a quarterback. Sure. You know, yeah. So if anything, that would skew things, right? Because I bet he, I mean, which is kind of weird that he did play. He had 12 carries, 46 yards. Yeah, so. Um, okay, so let's wait for that. You got that as your official prop in this game? Yes. Okay. I don't like. Mackenzie, can you confirm that that's the current market number, 59F? Okay, so we'll do that uh, and take your time. No rush on that stuff, um, meaning we'll finish talking about the game and hit at the end. I also think the game script, and I'm, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. Mm-hmm. I love playing big underdogs, play the running backs under on a team that's had a winning record. So think about this. So the Bengals, because they have a winning record, there's a lot of game scripts over the course of the year where they're ahead, and Mixon is, is they're pounding the rock in the fourth quarter running clock. But the game script here is projected to be the Bengals down a touchdown at the end of the game, if not 10 points, and thus no Mixon. So I think if you look at the year-to-date averages and the like, Mixon is overvalued so versus this rates, game. The usage rates on the season are going to be skewed by a winning team being ahead most of the time. And here in a situation they're likely not ahead, that's not going to be adjusted exactly. for. Exactly. I, I like that. I would like a lot more. Under mixing in the second half. Me too. I got yes. a feel, but I got a, and I know that's obvious, but I got even more of a feeling that the first three drives or so that they might be kind of saying, let's shorten this game. And you almost feel like if, if Mixon has 34 at half and the Kansas City's up 10, you're feeling so much better, right? You're like, okay, you know, what's he going to get? Four carries in the second half? So in theory, you could bet this pregame 
And then at the point where you felt things shifting, you could bet him over for the game. It's or let's think about this. If you you want to bet under, right? But I like your idea. Mm-hmm, go ahead. That maybe he gets. Let's say I he gets thirty yards early in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. The Bengals then are down by ten points. Mm-hmm. Then. You probably can, if let's just say end of first quarter to simplify. So then if I prorate the 60, he's got 45 more. If he's already got 30, I can play him under 75 for the game, under 75-ish so for a much stronger bet. for one unit, and do you play two units on the under? I don't or? even think I play over. I just wait for, like, okay. this, is the, this is the perfect storm to really pound the mix in under. And, you know, just to give an example. But if you play over and you get that nice spread, you're doing a true hedge where you can't lose both of them, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, why not? I mean, if you feel strong, would you play over? All right, so do the math on what the first quarter. If there was a I'd first play quarter. over 15. Okay. Yeah. So, it doesn't feel like he's going to get five carries. I agree. So yeah. what I'm saying is So why, maybe, why play under until yeah. the game script? Just or, because or why not play over then under and have a yeah. true hedge I like that, you can, that. that you can catch both sides? I like that. The funny thing is in the game, in the first game that these two teams played, Joe Mixon got more work in the second half despite being down because the Bengals got in a position where they were going to take that game-winning field goal. So that last drive, he got like four or five carries. That makes me like this even more. Yeah. You know, the fact that he picked up some cheap, like an extra 15 yards. He only got 46 for the Uh, game. uh, Yeah, he only had 12. He had 12 carries in the game. Four of those were in the last two minutes, two and a half minutes, when they were setting up that game-winning field goal. If they were behind, he gets none of those four, and he only gets he only has eight carries for like thirty yards. Then, right? All right. So this feeds into McKenzie's got the data for us now. Week seventeen, or sixteen, seventeen, nineteen, twenty. So eighteen's out. He's had fifteen point eight carries per game mixing on the season, eighteen point three. So if we say only week. One through week 15, it would be even lower or higher. So let's just say 19. So a real tangible difference. And they had, they were in control of the Raider game most of the way. They had the lead the entire game. He still only got 17. Okay. So 57 and a half is the number. Okay. All right. And AJ, your point's strong. So you look at against KC, he had 12 rushes. You said four was in the last drive? Four was in the last drive. So eight rushes up till, you know, what, 55 minutes into the game? Yeah. All right, fair. I like that. I like. I mean, I don't love it, but I I, I like the data that's kind of fall, falling in with it. Let's start talking total. Well, my my prop is sort of related to his. Okay, so this is your one prop. Or yeah, you my one. Though, and I like Joe Burrow over attempts because I I think Joe Burrow win, winning or losing the Bengals are going to be throwing the ball because that's what they've committed themselves to. I don't know about winning. I think if they get up and he's ready, Zach Taylor's ready to go to the Super Bowl. But do you ever, well, how late do you feel safe up against the Chiefs? I mean, th- that's why you want to keep the ball, right? I mean, that's the catch 22 of whole, of uh, at the end of the games. If the Bills would have ate a little more time, maybe they would have won that game. Just scored faster than <laughs> 13 seconds. Well, it was thir- th- 13 seconds. 13 seconds. 13 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, I knew it's funny. I didn't know you were doing the Fez Focus uh, on Monday. So I came in and said, I started talking about, well, Fez would go crazy on this one. And he's like, oh, you already Already had. I I can confirm. (laughs) Couldn't even wait till Wednesday. I had to get it out on Monday. It was a double whammy, I think, actually, because 
on one hand, you're, you know, the way that you talk about end game stuff and all that and, and squib kicking or, or, or mortar kicking or whatever. I, I like know. the mortar kick to the 10. But, but they can, they can, if you can do it to the 10, yes, but you can fair catch it and not take up any No, time. but then you, but you don't get to the 25. Then, to I agree. I agree. But that's the thing. If you could get it right, but if you mortar kick it like the 22. Yeah, that's it's no good. But yeah. that's a tough kick or they would do that anyway. If they can sky the ball to the one, they would do it every To kick. the 10-ish is the way. Yeah. So yep. what I'm saying is the squib kick maybe doesn't have all the upside, but you don't need the upside. You just need not to screw up Yes. if you're the kicking team there, right? You yes. got to take three seconds or get 10 yards. By the way, yes. So regardless, even if you kick it out of the end zone, you still win if you play it right. I've reviewed the rules, all right? Now yeah, well, you got the whole the holding the receivers. Yeah, so let me— okay. let That's me what just, I was going to say. It's a double whammy. Let me just summarize. So what the rule says, if there are multiple intentional fouls— the referees are allowed to rule that there will be a 15-yard penalty and though no time will be run off the clock. The key here is it has to be multiple intentional fouls on the same play. So this is the hardball rule. Yeah, but, but here's the thing, too. I think we're getting into the minutiae. Mm-hmm. We can, but let me just say the following. They've got a rule that the first time that they think they're doing that, it's fine. The second time, they call penalty. That's what I thought it was, but it isn't that way. Well, the, the heard, fir- I, I heard the same, but I actually read the rule. And but it doesn't mean it's the only rule that applies. But that's go good. Ahead. That's a good point. And the, the, the way I read the rule was multiple intentional fouls. If they happen on the same play, that play, no time will be run off the clock. First off, the goal wouldn't be to intentionally do it. The goal would be starting from the start, just mug them up. Yeah. And make it where it doesn't even feel intentional. Exactly. Just play ultra physical. And yeah. if the flag flies, who cares? And you know what? Maybe the top guy, the Tyreek Hill, maybe I just tackle him blatantly. And so I got one intentional penalty. That's fine. One intentional penalty is fine. You just can't have multiple of them where it's ultimate, very blatant. To me, I know in the moment it's hard to have this stuff all thought out. But you know what? It was obvious the emotion of the perceived win overcame that sideline. And and to me, that is the issue. Not that they didn't have every permutation figured out, because I don't think you can necessarily. Well, I, th- I think you can because it's a pre-programmed situation where you just say Zulu, Zulu, and Zulu means mug everyone in the line of scrimmage. When no. have we ever seen this happen in a game, though? Happens all the time. No, no, no but no, I'm no, saying... 13 seconds left from the own 25, it doesn't happen. Well, last, I've, year, I've, the Ra- last year, the Raiders had, had, had a game just like this where they hit a 54-yard bomb against the Jets, and the Jets could have won. There was, there was like... Well, how much time was left when, the la- when that play happened? It was like 13 seconds. It was well, like I mean, the same exact situation. Not, I like, it, I'm very skeptical of that. So I'd like you to pull that up when you get it, you know, whenever. Or we can, what game was it? It's supposed? in 2020. Okay. Raiders, Jets, and the Raiders had the ball, I think, on their own oh, 46. Yeah, yeah. It's Raiders, Jets. Let's take a gander. Yeah. Oh, wait. Well, this was the one where there was a zero blitz, and it was, that was, okay, but that was like at the 45 yard line. Yeah, but they needed a touchdown. So it's That's very fine. Quick. No, it's, no. It's apples it, to apples. They no, because it's a yards. Hail Mary situation. It's a very different situation. Okay, but they needed 50. Yards. Okay, but it's a Hail Mary, which is very different, right? Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I've never seen, like, I understand the theory of it, but you say this all the time, which one of us is smarter than these NFL head coaches about football? You would think at some point I would have seen someone do this well, in a game. here's the thing. i got to give Fez credit on this. He's been talking about this, the idea of holding the receivers, giving up the five yards, 
and letting the clock run. Now it's not going. You're not going to end the game on right. a defensive penalty, but you can take run a three few plays. Seconds. You can end of the three. half. There's eight seconds left. You're in the red zone on the ten. Boom. Right, okay. so and here's the thing. He he. This was amongst the myriad of other game theory things that he would rant about. So it all got kind of mm. you know blended in gumbo. But then here's what happened. The league actually changed the rule on this because a, a team or two did it. Yeah. And then it was like they said, "Boy, that is a flaw in the rule," and they changed it where you. You can do it one or some variation of you can do it one one and that wasn't the case up until like three years ago that yeah. they even had that rule. So that's a pretty good sign. Excuse me, they think there's an edge if they change the rules about it, right? The Raiders had four uh, down four with 35 seconds to go in the fourth. They had the ball at their own 39, needing a touchdown. So 35 seconds and 13. Fast forward to I think it was like 13 uh, seconds. But now there it's on through the, the hail mary situation. Well, the the point is, is that's the time to hold everyone until the, the final play. All right, Fez, we good. Do we? You want us to bow or what? What? Let me think. Why? Well, here it is. Here it is. We'll give this to him and, and we can move on. Wait a sec. This, you could tell he's been waiting for this. Yeah. I knew he was going to come out of a. Why can- do you want to do the Fezic focus? on Monday. I, I knew he was coming out of a cannon on this one. In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the f-ing world. For holding receivers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, total. Total. Uh, I think whatever's whatever was wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs early in the season, and wh- it's fixed. And one of the things I've noticed... The offense. On the offense. One of the things I've noticed about Mahomes is before when he was... When he was you know, in these two deep situations where he didn't know where to go to, it was throwing him off. He would keep drifting further and further back in the pocket. <laughs> he stopped that. He, he, he didn't do it at all against Buffalo. He stepped up. That way, if there is a loss on the play, it's minimal. Their offense, and he's he's taking what... Plus, it's giving him the viable option to run. Yes, which he did a That's lot a in that game. That's a great point, because the... Um, I think I saw like the top two rushers last week. Yeah, were, both each team. Yeah. <laughs> yes, in the same game. And he's taking quarterback, yeah. taking what the defense gives him, which is what we were criticizing him for early in the for season. For sure. And and I would say this, by the X's and O's guys I respect, they say Bengals defense is very similar in scheme and intensity of blitzing. Just in general, this feels like almost a mirror of the Buffalo defense, though not quite as good. Not and quite I, as talented. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the scheme. And yep. if you So if you throw to, to Cheetah 15 yards down the field, and now you got – I mean, he is so much faster than everybody else in that field. It is just incredible. So instead of trying to get him to go over the top of the defense, putting him underneath, you can still pop your 80-yard plays. But the theory was that was the – that you could have said that ten games ago, but but as AJ's saying, the the uh, KC Chiefs were struggling with it. Sure. And my point is that if you have a format that worked, a, a game plan that worked, who do you want to face the next week? A t- defensive play is very similarly. That, that's the that. Uh, that's my point is about why that. We should scheme. play over and play Kansas City because if if well, Buffalo, I'm optimistic about the Kansas City offense. If Buffalo's sure. D couldn't stop these guys, the Bengals D isn't going to stop these guys, especially when they're all banged up, and especially when we just saw the game a month ago when they couldn't stop Kansas City at all. Yeah, and remember in the second half of that game, people that are. Analyzing that first KC Cincy matchup, one they say K, uh, Cincy had multiple penalties, pass interference against KC that really sustained drives and 
in a way felt extreme as in maybe they were the right calls, but boy, there's a lot of them that, you know, and, and the referee crew for this game, apparently the head referee, it's a mixed crew, but the head referee is very adverse to penalties. So, so So, that benefits Kansas city. Maybe you should give Pizzola a a call out right there. Exactly. Rob Pizzola alerted Mm. me to that That's, um, circumstance. Somehow Rob's name wasn't going to be mentioned. Was it? No. (laughs) That was a good point. Vinovich is the referee's name, but it is interesting. They have their crews during the regular season, but during the playoffs, I guess they mix where they get the best of the best or whatever. Right. But I do think that's noteworthy. And the NFL, what's also noteworthy, we just played the game of the, I guess, the decade and maybe the game of uh, the best game ever. And what a lot of people are commenting is how nice it was. There weren't any flags that were being thrown, and it was you know, so critically acclaimed. You know, the NFL is going to send out a memo to the refs and say, "Look, it. You know, we're getting tremendous, great press about the way this was called. Great job, guys." Yeah, and I also think if, if there is any of this, case they want KC more in Cincy at this point. Oh yeah. So yeah, and I'm not sure if at this level, if I, you know, I think in some cases, yeah, that there might be influences like that. So your rationale is on the the case on the over is you like the way the KCD offense is playing. That's part of it, certainly. Forty two points in the last two games against defenses better than Cincinnati. Okay, so Mackenzie, do me a favor. I don't know exactly where to go for this, but I want to see the accumulated EPA, meaning accrued whatever you want to say throughout the game, not per play. So in theory, if you have the per play, you can multiply by the play count, and I want to see for the whole season. Mahomes is, and there's there's different places that have this. So instead of calculating ourselves, I think just find it, because um, if because I saw this chart and I want to have the numbers, is whatever the threshold. I I can't remember. Let's think about this. So if the average play is, let's say you're doing exceptionally well, every four plays you have a point. Let's say, um, so if you have thirty drop back or let's say forty drop backs. There'd be 10 points, right? Or no, yeah. So 34 points, okay. So I think it maybe it was the threshold was double digits or not of EPA, but um, it was like if you look at the season, the last like six or seven games, it is all in double digits. And like in the first 10 or whatever, it was like three double digits and seven. Not, so it was like literally like 30% and then every time – I'd actually be interested to see his prior years. It looks like he's on a six or eight game run as good as any he's ever had. Mm. And maybe we shouldn't be saying, oh, the kind the problem's over. Maybe we should be saying this offense, Kansas City, is playing as well as it ever has right now. Because are mm. we sure that that's not the case? Is there a strong case that's not the case? No. No. Everybody's healthy. You know, um, and let's face it, the Bengal defense, I could argue, is overrated right now. Why are they overrated? <laughs> Because well, you look at the Raider game. The Raiders only scored what nineteen points, mm-hmm. and the Raiders were in the red zone at the end of the game. Their stats were almost four hundred yards. They should have gotten more points. The Raiders were unlucky not to get more points. And then Tennessee. Yeah, but, but when you win the game and hold them to sixteen or whatever, that's that's outstanding. Even if they get another touchdown, you might lose the game. But the defense did a good job. 
Right. Well, the, what was the Raiders over under for the game? Like twenty two. So that I would I would argue that with with thirty seconds left, they're right on expectation. Do they get in the end zone or not? Is determined. Well, no, they're right on expectation if they score. Yeah. Which is like thirty percent to score or whatever, right? Uh, it's, no, it's more than fifty percent. They're in the, they're on the nine yard line what? first first and goal, thirty seconds to play. I don't think you're fi- if you're fi- if you think you're fifty percent there, that's crazy. No, it's not crazy. I think you're it's crazy. Fi- but- now after they spike the ball, it's a good point because they they chose to spike the ball. So after spiking, I agree with you. It's less than 50. Yeah. Go ahead. I think the reason the Bengals' defense is overrated is because they've played a lot of really, really bad quarterbacks this season. And they got really bad quarterback play from Tannehill last game. Okay, so let's do this because th- I've seen this work from AJ, and it's strong. Hmm. So you're going to put the quarterbacks into a bat. You're going to say, look at these bad quarterbacks. Let's get that list first. The bad quarterbacks that they faced – Trevor Lawrence, oh, Jared Goff, ah, bad. All right, I'll accept that today. Case Keenum, yeah, Drew Locke, mm-hmm. Big Ben twice. Mm-hmm. Let's just say he's uh, he's um, aged. Okay, Josh Johnson twice with two different teams. The, if you can the, believe that, the first world heavyweight champion of boxing. No, oh. the J- former Jets, then Ravens quarterbacks, both weeks. You know, all you, you had me at Josh Johnson twice. But these other six steps, don't you only but, but with two different teams. That's what the, the defense right. prays no for in the offseason. Let me play Jack Johnson twice, but on wow. two different teams. Go ahead. And then Baker Mayfield. All right, well, hold on, hold on. We talked about this, didn't we? I did, and I've got this. Well, but we don't want to transition to Baker Mayfield being bad without prefacing it. Baker Mayfield this entire season was bad. Baker Mayfield, the well, season for QBR, only Sam Darnold amongst non-rookies, had a worse QBR than Baker Mayfield. That's how bad he was this season. Now, do you see how if you say Sam Darnold before you preface it, you're going to get an emotional reaction that's going to anger people unnecessarily? Because people will get Baker was better than Sam Darnold is what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay, so let's call (laughs) And there's one more. And I think Baker this season, there's no doubt injury or whatever – was not a good quarterback. And then Justin Fields, who I'll also preface with, they played him in his first game. And weeks two through eight, mm-hmm. Justin Fields was 32 out of 34 quarterbacks by EPA, negative .16 per play. So no, half, no 1.65. So half the quarterbacks they faced were in the bottom one-fourth of the quarterbacks in Yeah, the so league. even the quarterbacks whose name, Justin Fields, you can make the case, trended up strongly at the end of the year. But when they played him, he was bad and he was inexperienced. Baker bad this season. Six games against the bottom 10 in QBR and then four of the other Keenum, Josh Johnson, those guys didn't I'm qualify. Sold. I think this is old. This is okay. really, really strong now strength. The, the schedule quarterbacks that they there's face. another side of this though. Now they've had some middle of the road. Forget them. What about the elite quarterback, the elite quarterbacks that they faced this year, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, and I know you'll argue with me on Justin Herbert. I know. The average line for them that game, 26 for 36, 305 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. That's the average when they faced a top-level quarterback. 26 for 36, 305 yards per game, three touchdowns, no picks. So none of those guys had a single pick. They did, but it was. Well, then that can't be zero picks. Then point three picks. (laughs) Nine touchdowns, one pick. Yes. Okay. So I think, huh? I think that's a compelling case. Do we go team total Kansas City over? Well, over thirty and a half, thirty-one. Hear me on the other side, and I do, I do like that. But I think there's a good reason to like the the, the Bengals' offense as well here. I still, obviously, I think Joe Burrow's different than I did at the beginning of the season, and I don't think it's an accident that he had the success against Kansas City that he did. 
the Bengals lineup in an empty in that game specifically, they were an empty a ton, and they've I mentioned they've been an empty more than anybody in the second half of the season. The way Spagnuolo, what empty is? It means when there's no running back in the backfield, only like the old running shoe. Yeah, all, all wide receivers. Well, I guess you could have a tight end, but go ahead. The way the Chiefs attack that is Spagnolo. What he does is he rushes seven players. The Chiefs use seven pass rushers on thirteen point four percent of plays this season. The next closest team did it. 8% of plays. So they're number one at rushing seven by a mile. So seven is rushing a lot. That's rushing almost the most you can potentially there's, rush. There's only four left to defend. And and when you've got no, an empty backfield, all four of those guys are out wide. So this is the famous zero blitz. Yes. Which is an example, again, that, that what Tampa Bay did at the end against the Rams. Yes. And, and, Burrow, what, they, and what they did against the Jets in that game last year, yes. we were talking about. Oh, yeah. and and they constantly got smoked in these one on ones against these receivers. And Burrow is such an elite processor early that he's going to kill that kind of defense. But that's just is what he's such an elite processor. And he gets sacked a whole lot. He holds on to the ball some. <laughs> no, I th- I think well, this is a good segue into the whole Burrow versus the Blitz, which is something that I was stressing the first game against the Raiders, that the Raiders don't blitz a lot. Thus, it's a disadvantage because here's the numbers. If you look at the games Burrow played against blitz-heavy teams, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Mm. Kansas City, okay, five games there, his QBR was 75.3, which would be number one in the league, and his points per game, 36 against those blitzing teams. Good teams too, all right? Well, Baltimore at a time was good, and obviously Pittsburgh made the playoffs. Okay. They played good Baltimore once and bad Baltimore once. Yeah. Against Blitz. But remember, they were still underdogs in that second Baltimore game. They got a bad Pittsburgh game, too, where Pittsburgh had a bunch of guys hurt. Yeah, it's a fascinating detail, but, like, that's what we don't (laughs) get into. Because then what about the time the guys were extra healthy? And I I don't think like that. You can on your analysis. I'm just the type that – because it never, ever gets mentioned in a way that doesn't make the point. No one ever said, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. cause then, you're right. You're I right. mean, that's the thing. If it was somehow true or completely impartial, I'd be fine. You know, I'm not saying you're not any worse than anyone else. Everyone thinks sure, that way. Sure. You were getting a whole lot of data to like the over, weren't we? All right. So finishing my point here, in games non-heavy blitz teams, so this is everyone else, right? Um, average Q, or is QBR, 46.4. So think about this. In games other than against the five games against Pittsburgh, Casey, and Baltimore. And check with Fez if you want to know uh, Pittsburgh's health in that game. 5-0 and <laughs> in those games, by the way. Yeah. 5-0 and with the number one QBR in the league, if he had it for the season, 75.3. 46.4 is below average. Joe Oop. Burrow's QBR against non-blitzing teams is below average. And, oh, by the way, 23 points a game. 36 points a game, 23 points a game. And, by the way, Vegas expectation. So what was the marginal ATS? Against the blitzing teams, plus 14 points a game nearly. 14 points and negative number, negative ATS margin, a tiny one, 0.6, against those other teams. I've gone from a lean over, I like over. Over 54. The other thing is the Honey Badger still didn't practice today. And if well, it, McKenzie said he's playing. There's a lot of people saying he's playing, but if you're cleared of concussion protocol, that's when you can but, practice. But, but, but Honey Badger said he's playing. Uh, yeah, Honey Badger's not the doctor that, right, that's going to clear him right. from concussion that's protocol. That's not obvious, but okay. But I'll, I'll say this. When he's not on the field, that means Sorensen's on the field. 
Oh, now, he, is that Sipowicz's second partner? I don't know, but he is horrible, horrible. And when they when they brought him on the field against Buffalo, I said just fi- on that when it was fourth down, I said find whoever Sorensen's on and throw it at him, mm-hmm. and that that happened to be Gabriel Davis multiple times. He had a pretty good game. Yeah, and and speaking of Gabriel Davis being like the fourth wide receiving option for the Bills, the Bengals are so deep at wide receiver at playmaker. A guy like T. Higgins is a world ahead of Gabriel Davis, who had his way against the Chiefs. So I I think there's a lot of ways to offense for both teams in this game. A lot of ways to offense. I, I that's interesting. That's okay. the over. Lo- uh huh. Yeah. No, no, I like that. It's a kind of an interesting phrase. But here's the question I've got. It opens at 51. Now it's 54. That's big. Yep. Number two, who's Barney at the bar playing? Over. And what happens when you play with Barney? You, you play lose. Exp- well, you play expensive. Yeah, you get taxed. Well, yes. In this case, you're actually getting taxed. Yes. I agree with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to me, it feels like we the ship might have sailed. I can't play under, but you still like it? I mean, 54, you don't get any higher. Is this the perfect – like, really what we're saying is, in the history of the NFL, how many games have been above 54? Not many. There was the well, – What are we talking about? The one the that one, one year. No, the one year, yeah, where the total was – the average total was 48 and a half. Well, that brings up another point. If the average total was 45.7 or whatever, then points were over the NFL average. Could this be the most ever? Now, that's a sage point. This is like a 60 almost from a percentage perspective. And and is this in Casey's defense is what? One to 32. Let's be a little pessimistic. 20. Yeah. And Bengals are at least 20, right? Yeah. So if you have slightly below average offenses, how great do the offenses have to be to have a, histor- a historically mm. high total? Yeah, you would think a historic. You got to have bad defenses and, and really good offenses. Maybe, maybe we get at it a different way. How? Maybe we play third down conversions over ten and a half. Maybe we play shortest well, touchdown. That third down conversions would be against your mix and bat in a way, wouldn't it? Because that would assume the Bengals. At least if the Bengals are running the ball more on first, they're going to have more third downs, right? That's a good point. No, I'm yeah. not saying that's wrong. I mean, because yeah. sometimes hedging third down, Third down conversions do better for running teams because yeah. you get third and And fourth. if we think that he, they're going to run some of the game, like we kind of do, maybe we think, hey, we catch a couple of quick ones early. I, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking. I don't know. Yeah, but 10 and a half is like the, the universal number they deal, and they just move the VIG higher. Um, and what's put, the VIG now? I don't know. It'd be on DraftKings, McKenzie. And the number was 54 last week with the Bills and Chiefs. I think you're you're probably playing a worse D. You, like if you say switch out the Bengals D for the for the Bills, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever drop off you get from the Bills offense to the Bengals offense, I think the gap between their defenses is greater. Oh, I disagree with that. Oh my gosh, you think the the drop from the so the Bills defense to the Cincy defense. That distance the Bills have an advantage is bigger than the distance of the advantage the offense has. Yeah. You see, I disagree with that. And I guess maybe if Cincy, what they've shown the last couple of games is the truth, but really they just put up 19 points. It's true. So, I mean, is that, is that like, I guess I'm just saying is, is this Burrow a situation that they could have lost? I mean, listen, it's a great story. They couldn't think, block. He got sacked every, like, every drive. How could that? Yeah, that's my point. I don't think. Do you have your big sheet? I'd, yeah. I'd love to know what the total was, what the, what the total was when they played the first time. What was the, the Vegas line? Like, what was, you know, yeah. going into that game? Uh, 
you, you mean the total Kansas City Cincy? The, yeah, the, the first time the can, total, the total Kansas City okay. Cincy game. I, I don't have the total on that sheet. So oh, you okay. look at it, McKenzie. And where's my sheet at? We were looking for it. Fifty-one and a half. Where's my sheet at? Well, it goes back to the taxation. Yep. You know, so so they were fifty-one and a half. Now it's a playoff game, and now it's all the way to fifty-four and a half. Mackenzie, have you seen my sheet? But also, <laughs> when you t- do, you take into account that that first game was sixty-five. Should there be some sort of a bump in in what yeah, we but expect? The, but from the these Bengals teams. have had back-to-back unders, though. So. Yeah. You know what? Someone stole that sheet. It's so it's so compelling. It's Tom. So, no, it's so appealing. <laughs> All right, well, listen, Fez, we now know that sheet's valuable, though, because if people are stealing it, but I should have reprinted one, but I figured there was nothing new. We've got, so I think you guys are making a great point, or I guess affirming my point. It's not, the directionally, this isn't over. The question is, what's the number, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's like, if you look at the guy with the big muscles, he's strong. The question is, what's the over-under, or how much he's benching to see if we want to bet over-under, is there a, do we think first half or second half? I mean, I almost think, do we look at second half under, oh, I'm sorry, second half over, theory being whatever the mix in, they, more likely Casey's ahead, which mm-hmm. be, they're going to keep passing, but then since he will be forced to, I mean, like, let's think about this. 27 is half, right? Is, is half 54. If Casey's up by seven at halftime, Scoring is about on pace, and the over-under is 27 in the second half, or 20. I like, I like that a lot. You like the Casey's over Casey's up 17, 10 and a half time, then we hit the second half over. So if Casey's, uh, and if they're up more, that's fine too. Yes, because I, Casey will still but be. But then the number's going to be higher aggressive. probably, wouldn't it? No, if Casey's up by more, the number might be 26 and a half because people okay. will be like, oh, it's a blowout. We gotta, they we think gotta Casey might down be sitting point. on the ball. Because historically, one of the great system plays was in a blowout game play under right. in the second half because the team sat on the ball. Yes. Right? Especially if the opponent wasn't a good passer. So, okay, so that's not an official play, but it's an approach. Are you sticking with the other? I'm going to stick with it. All right. I think, listen, I, I, 53 and a half, I probably like it. You know, like it, but it's 54 and a half at spots. You now. know, one thing about, I like about not getting cute. With Burrow getting sacked all these plays, we could get a defensive touchdown by Kansas City. You know, that's Or he could get knocked out of the game. Ooh. I mean, let's be honest. What is it, about four to one? That he little gets flipper. <laughs> I mean, or is it big flipper? Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's little flipper. <laughs> that was the backup. So, but I'll say this. 54 is a key number. 53 and a half is very different than 54. I don't think you can even think of playing over 54 and a half. I agree. I mean that that's a that's a t- from fifty one to fifty four and a half. You're missing two key numbers. Do you want for my official? Do you want me to say fifty four minus one fifteen? No, because I think there's some fifty four. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of fifty four and a halves. Maybe we'd be a little patient. You know that the the square sharps are like ah playoff game fifty five. Historically, we make money playing under. <laughs> They're yeah, going to ex- hit it. Except I wonder, isn't the public going to be going over, though, more? And it's more public than square sharps. I think we saw the Buffalo KC money come in on the under. This is what's tough about to betting, AJ. You decide. Do you want to go over 54 and a half or not? And let me get ready with uh, hit to be square. Hold on. Go ahead. <laughs> if I've got to go over 54 and a half, I'll just take Kansas City's team total over. Ooh, that's kind of savvy. So what's the team total? 31. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot better. I think actually. it's safer, and that way if Burrow gets his leg broken, we can still win. All right, that's it. So that's your. But remember now, you have to have a side or oh. total. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. Couple other things. So I think. In, oh. I think in general, the blitzing versus non-blitzing is compelling. I, I agree. 
Um, Strong stuff. And I think AJ's point about the zero blitz and specifically no back, interesting for sure. It's part of that big picture. I think the idea of Cincy's defense and the bad quarterbacks is compelling. I think the only thing that – that's why I like over 31 more. And, you know, we'll we'll make a concession on you. That can be your one pick. Thank you. In that one because, to me, we don't want you playing something bad. And 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 number two, it strikes me that this this Bengals is a fugazi. I mean, who are we kidding? They should have lost to Tennessee. I'll make the case. You know why they lost to Tennessee? Because Derrick Henry played. Derrick well, Henry or, was or not fact, good. I think him playing was fine. They they in the second half when you saw he wasn't didn't have it, you couldn't shouldn't have kept running. Foreman him. four carries, sixty yards. Derrick Henry, what was it? Fifteen carries, sixty yards. Get or or eighteen carries. You know, I mean, he literally and he kept getting stuffed on fourth down. That's what I'm saying. If they would have had five less carries, I think him playing was a good emotionally for the Titans. I agree with that. Yes. All right. So let's think of what I was. I, I just am saying is the Bengals are a team. That if they didn't beat the Ravens in week, what was that, 17? Uh, was that the Ravens or the KC? I Those guess KC. if I had my sheet. They need to win the KC. <laughs> yeah, but if they had lost to the Ravens and KC, which was very possible. Could have been out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is they were on the brink of the, making the playoffs or not. So I didn't want to say it, but I kind of like the over 31 myself. And but now that AJ has it for the rant, I'm gonna or for the uh, KC Chiefs, I'm gonna give it to him because I've got an alternative. So let's make it official. Fez, what do you got? Bengals running back Joe Mixon under 57 and a half rush yards. AJ. Chiefs team total over 31. That's familiar. And I'm passing this game, passing, okay. though I do like the over 31. So we'll go call that an opinion. Next game, we have the Rams, the 49ers, line is three and a half. And it's, uh, let's look at the VIG here. It looks like it's a little short, but it looks like about a quarter of the way short. So under that theory, it'd be like a 3.35, 3.4 kind of thing. Does that sound right, Fez? It does. Okay. Now. My pick, if you don't mind, AJ, is the 49ers plus three and a half. We'll call it, um, let me see, we'll call it minus 15. No, we're going to call it minus $1.10. Circa has it. There's there's three or four books that have hey, to clean. Actually, minus $1. Circa's $1. at flat, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think $1.10 is fair. I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. Amen, brother. <laughs> now, what, what you, let's round the horn here quickly on the side itself. What would you do? I like. The 49ers. I think you bet the three and a half. You're you're basically getting it. Um, like you said, it's three point three five, and you can get the three and a half. I'm gonna keep. Yeah, this. but that's why we don't. Here's the thing: we don't want to give picks to the audience based upon line shopping. But it's widely available. Yeah, but it's still in general. We it's got to be about the hand. I'm gonna keep this very simple. Beginning of the year, these teams were supposed to win ten games. That was their season win number. Very comparable division odds. Very comparable. Over the course of the year, San Francisco had some injuries, so they had a little bit of a lesser year. But now, with Debo Samuel back, with Kittle back, I think we're back to where we were at the beginning of the year. We've got two premium team Super Bowl contenders, both with some questions at quarterback. Nothing has really changed. And I'm not sure the Rams are appreciably better than the 49ers. I don't think the Rams have any tangible home field advantage. We saw that with the crowd being more Niners fans when they played Week 18. 
solid value with the Niners catching the three and a half. And <laughs> we, we worry about fatigue, right? The Niners' seventh road game in nine. All right, so games? let's do this. What we don't, we're going to talk about this for an hour or so, or 45 <laughs> minutes. We don't want to like spew it all, right? So let's right. hold that one back. Let's start with the injury question. So, Mackenzie, we're working on a system of quantifying injuries. Instead of it being subjective, it's like, hey, who was out? How good are they? What was the shortfall? What was the delta, et cetera? Now, we haven't perfected it, but based on what we've done so far, do we have a number in how injured the 49ers have been this year compared to now and the Rams? So the 49ers right now, you know, if you include the quarterback because they have some Lance in there, about a point worse than their year-to-date average. All right, so let's talk about that. So right now they're a point worse? Yes, because I'm listing Jimmy G as questionable, which gives us— He's not questionable. I mean, he's not. I mean— Yeah, off the injury report. He's literally not questionable, but I figured because of the I thought he was still on the injury report, but just for finger, not shoulder. Yeah, but what we're saying is he's uh, not—let's do this. We got to do this in a way that is— Again, quantifiable. If there's any kind of decisions, then they can always get skewed, right? Okay, what we got to look at here, I think, focusing on is this matchup and and the whole meme of Kyle Shanahan's the daddy. Yes. I don't think anything here is more important than that. Now, when we look at the injury stuff, it's a situation where, you know, this model of ours isn't optimized, but right now we've got it where it's about 0.7 points that San Fran's healthier now than they were on average throughout the season. That feels about right to me. A, a nice, clean, this team's healthier by an increment. Would you agree with that, Fez? I would. I've got them, like, in my power rating, we've got them about a point higher than they've been for most of the year. So Okay, but that would be both injuries and quality and of that's play, right. right? Yes. Okay. But you you actually have them higher than they've ever been or higher than the average? I have them at the highest point they've been all year long, four points better than the average team right now. Okay. Now, how do we quantify or how do we assess, I guess maybe, the fatigue factor? Because this is what, now seven? Seven out of nine. nine. Of nine, with no buy. No buy. Week six was their buy. So effectively in the last nine weeks, this is their seventh road trip. Yes. And their ninth game. That feels significant to me. High-intensity games, too. A lot of them they needed to make the playoffs. At the Rams, at Dallas, at Green Bay. Back to the Rams, back to L.A. Having said that, they actually have a one-day rest advantage in this game because they got to play Saturday. So they got eight days for this game. I don't think that's... Insignificant, especially considering all this um, fatigue on top of each other, to have that one extra day, I think is important. How much do we, if there was no reason, underlying reason for the dominance of San Francisco, six straight wins, Shanahan over McVay, if there was no reason for that, the psychology of it would be worth what? Meaning, if you're San Fran, it's going to give you confidence in theory. If you're the Rams, it's going to c- cause you to be um, pessimistic. Or does it make the 49ers overly confident? I don't think so there, but I think maybe it makes the Rams extra tenacious, thinking we got to – so is it a net – just the psychology, not the underlying reason. What's the net effect of that? Define tenacious first. Tenacious would be like works extra hard, like it's going to c- scratch and claw for every little Ooh. thing because you need it. 
You know you need it because you have this disadvantage. I almost wonder, will they be tenacious or will there be some trepidation about Th- that's this? That's the question. I think it's both, right? That you're like, oh, my God, we got to get this fixed. We, this team owns us. But then again, when they're playing, something goes wrong. We'd be like, here we go again. We're just not built to stop these guys. Mm, you know, so we got this great— The mindset coming into the game might be not the same as the mindset as the game progresses. Exactly. When Kittle goes wide open over the middle again, you're like, boy, you know, our defense— You know, And I've read different—I'm not a matchup guy. I have some a pretty strong take on this, but go ahead. But, but, but one of the things that I read or listened to that made a lot of sense is that the Rams— they do a lot of things with their defense. They move their defensive guys around mm-hmm. more than any other team in the league. All right. Mm-hmm. So what they're 10 seconds before the play snapped, the defense that they're in, they might change up. Mm-hmm. Um, however, San Francisco changes their offense more than anybody else in the league with motion, guys moving back and forth, and that that mitigates a lot of what the Rams are trying to do, reacting to what the offense is showing them. Okay. Uh, what? What? And again, I'm accruing different feedback that I that resonates with me I, I'll kind of just tick off what has been the consensus here one is that they run it's the same scheme effectively and that quite frankly Shanahan's just more innovative and that if you look at Shanahan's evolution throughout a season that they look at the counter moves of the what the defenses are doing mm. and they have a counter to the counter Whereas McVeigh, historically, a lot like Kingsbury at Arizona, second halves of the year haven't been as good. Mm. The theory is they get, it's a little vanilla and they don't have the, the counter moves. They run their stuff basically all year Maybe long. they make three counter moves, but by week mm. 10, they're done. And then Shanahan's got two more or whatever. Uh, they also know each other very well, having been on the same staff. And sometimes someone just has someone's number when you're that familiar with them, right? And like you chess talk, players. Yeah, you talked about the, the the chess example where if you have an 1800 playing a 1600, 1800 is better. The familiarity benefits the better player. That's right. So the 1800 knows he's better and he wins almost every time. But you get two random guys playing, and the 1600 beats the 1800 one out of four games. Yeah, I think there's something to that. And again, this would all be something that wouldn't make a ton of sense if there wasn't numbers that really backed it up. Um, you know, now six in a row. Um, also, what the Rams do most effective is effectively is dominate the line of scrimmage. Right. Offensive line and defensive line. And you know what? San Fran at least is their match, if not more, on both sides Can't of the ball. Can't bully San Fran. That's a strength of their, their team as well, right? Uh, yeah, so it's but it's something that the Rams need because what's left is nothing really. Like, that's their strength. It, uh, well, at least on defense, there's not much left because they're linebackers. And this is something McKenzie's talked about. Is are particularly They're bad, right? bad. Yeah. and wh- where and where are they good? They're good on the outside corners, right? And where does Jimmy G throw middle, inside the only? Field. So it's and like, the safeties are lousy. Now. Exactly, and they have injuries. They had to bring in Weddle or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like that the the logic makes sense to this stuff. Um, and then, if you think about the running game. Is, is is again tackling in space, tackling in the middle of the field. They don't go outside all that much, so it kind of, there's logic behind it. You know, we we've talked before, and we talked about it last week. How in the off season, Buffalo said we're going to build our team to beat the Chiefs to stop the mm. modern NFL offense. The Rams are built that kind of the same way to stop the modern offense. The problem is the 49ers just aren't the modern day NFL offense. That's and so a great it, point. They, they don't yeah. match up They're well a against them. Offense. Yeah. 
So I'm I'm not sure that I disagree, but I think I do. What is it about the Rams' defense? Is because the assumption of beating the modern offense is to play a soft shell. Okay, so you're saying it's the Staley. Uh, okay, it's the Staley echoes. Okay, yeah, yeah I hear that. All the other opponents are throwing the ball to their running backs. San Francisco is no, having their wide receivers run, run the ball. football. Yeah. No, no, it's a good, it's an interesting point. So it's not just, we're saying that I'm saying, I'm talking about the weaknesses on the defense. You're talking about the strengths that are going to be counteracted. So yeah. the, the one strength that's going to n- not be as potent is that D line that's good. Well, hey, the O line counteracts it. Oh, look, they're playing a Staley esque show, but really, San Fran's not the team to play that against. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think that's a very good point um and my last point would be uh if familiarity is the issue and if not changing throughout the season is a negative for the rams this is the first time if i'm not mistaken that san fran is playing the rams in the playoffs Mm. in these these iterations and thus a third time in the same season would seem to exacerbate the problem of familiarity. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So to me, that's a huge point. If the first time, and I'd be interested to see, Mackenzie, look up the first time they play a season, the second time they play a season. Do they do better? Let's just look at yeah. the point. Uh, well, let's look at the, not the ATS differential. Let's look at the point differential, but adjust five points for home field. So just give five mm-hmm. points to the home team in every case. So if a team wins by, uh, if a team wins by five in their home, it should be uh, what because the the game in San Francisco, the first game that they played this year, wasn't close. I mean, it them. it was domination. And no, then yeah, we should give two and a half points for home, not five, because they're not flipping. It's assume it goes to a neutral. Really, yeah. one and a half for home. Yeah, but these are over division. six years. These are over okay. six years. Yeah. Go two well, points. Go two points sure. for home. So if they both wins, have equally bad home fields. Yeah, that's fair. So if the team wins by three, and it means they win by one if they're at home. If they win by three and they're on the road, it means they win by five. Does that make sense? Yes. And give, then give me the first game margin, second game margin. Got it. Yeah, it's, but this year, that the game in San Francisco, the, they just dominated. Then the, obviously the overtime game uh, at L.A. was a much more tightly contested game. Yeah, so the first, yeah, but, you know. To, to, to kind of, I'm just saying what your point is, it, the, the familiarity. But, I'm kind of, but see, I'm, I'm, that would go opposite. Oh, you think the familiarity. It, it went opposite. Okay. But, you're, but yeah. what you said made complete sense to me. You know, one thing that stood out to me is how vocal the Rams are being about how disappointed they were that they didn't have any home home support in the last game, and I don't see any of that changing. The I don't um, think you can cajole people to care about you. Yeah. Because I, I had a couple cajole, of ex-girlfriends that would have uh, it would have worked if cajoling this was going to work. This is the RJ word of the day, cajole, which is not used in three and a half years, but it's completely properly used on 100%. Cajole. Do you think like most L.A. sports, when the team is in the playoffs and when a team's got a chance to actually do something, more fans will show up? Oh, sure. I mean. Except that this is something Bill Simmons said. Uh, the Rams are kind of um, – greedy with their seat licensing ah. and that that a lot of the fans even that didn't that wanted to buy couldn't buy but the ones that did are the more corporate ones mm-hmm. and the ones who aren't feel like maybe just for they can pay for their seat they can pay sell one ticket 
and and make up for a lot of the year because they feel like they're getting overcharged. Make, it makes sense. And people are doing that in Vegas too, you know, with the with the way it shook out. And bottom line, L.A. is a Laker town and then it's a Dodger town. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And then it's a USC town. Like, there, there is a long list before it gets to the Rams. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think that's fair. All right, so – I think we've talked about the matchup situation. Mackenzie, do you have anything to add to that? Nope. Okay. And uh, so, Fez, let's go down. I'm going to talk about Jimmy G later, so let's hold that. Let's go through some of your points one at a time. So whatever, start with the, your strongest one, you think. You know, there's three different ways I want to bet this game. Okay. I want to bet plus three and a half. Mm-hmm. I want to bet first half plus three, which is out there. Now, is that just because the mechanics of it make it an attractive number? Yes. Okay. Yes. So we can recommend that, but there's no real handicap. But explain why the mechanics make it an attractive number. Just because the the line really isn't split between three and three and a half. It's closer right now to three and a half. But on the first half. Yeah, so we're saying like 3.35 or four. Yeah. Right, right. But the first half is like two and a half to three. So there you're truly getting all kinds of extra value catching a three in the first half. So I, I, I was surprised. Was that surprised. flat? Yeah, it was flat. I was is able that, to bet that. Is that better than the three and a half for the game? I think it is, yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, well, think about it mathematically, right, is if you're getting three, you're on to three. So, I mean, to go to three to three and a half on the money line or to go from pick him to three is in the NFL typically – Meaning, if you, what's the money line? I mean, I know the answer, but I'm asking the question. What's the money line on a typical minus three flat favor? Like minus 140. Oh, the Novig would be minus like 142 plus 142. All right, so let's say 142, your number. And now what is it for three and a half? Like minus 165. All right. So the Novig. Novig. Yeah. So the difference here is uh, 23 cents to three and a half, which seems high. But right, I mean, three and a half. It's because the money. Line. It's because the money line is magnified in terms of the probabilities. What does that mean? It means if I like move a minus one forty two wins like fifty eight percent of the time or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and so if I if I increase my winning probability by five percent, I got to really jack up the the money line more because I'm already closer to a hundred. Okay, so if we go from 100 to 142 to get from pick him to three, it's 42 cents. Yes. And then to get him to 65 is 23 cents. So if the theory is that you, the value should be split half and half, if we're getting the value of a plus 140 or a plus 142 for the first half, that means for the game it would be plus 284, but for the game it's really plus 165. So we're disproportionately getting like two-thirds of the value in half the game. Yes. Right? Yes. So I know that the last matchup between these two teams was the inverse where the the Rams got a lead and then blew it to the 49ers. But typically you think of the 49ers as a team that won't play well coming from behind. So if they're down – They don't have as much offense in right. theory. So if they're down more than three at the half, you're thinking, oh, what, what are the odds they're going to they're gonna make a game of this more yeah, often if, than not? And I think if you watch the Green Bay game – there was zero confidence that they were going to be able to tie that game without some kind of special play that was going to occur, uh, which ultimately did wind up happening. Once they tied the game, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I think that's a team now, you can roll with. Now, 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 now here's, here's a team that's in trouble, the favor in Green Bay, once San Francisco got the game tied. Now, I, I mean, let's think about what I just did the math on. And, and is, am I missing something there that – 
for in theory, half the value on the dog in this case because it's a smaller spread. It's not like some fourth quarter is going to be a pick them because it's minus 14 situation. Right. Is half the value should be in the, of the underdog or half of the handicap of the spread should be in the first half, half in the second half. You agree with yes. that? Yes. And in this case, it's 42-65 is in the first and the uh, 23-65 in the second. Yes. All right. So how could the case be made that the first half plus three isn't significantly better? You could not make it. You okay. have to say the plus three is, is significantly better. So if you can get plus three minus 110 in the first half, and if you like this, the whole game bet, that is the superior bat mathematically. That's right. So okay. for your official play, do we want to put first well, half? Well, you know, I, the way we made the rule was that we all got to have a side of total. So and some people aren't going to play the first half. You let my side change. I know, but that means we can't do it. This, no, so I'll keep it for the game. But I would also say personally, I'll probably put two-thirds of my bet on the first half and a third on the second just to diversify. I, th- I, I, think think I, I, I think that's a great recommendation to – Two-thirds first half, official play, though, uh, you're, you're taking yeah. the three and a half. And, and, and I don't want to piggyback completely off of you, but I endorse that completely. Oh, you're I the agree. one that came out with the plus three. So now here's the thing to think about. There's reasons not to play the first half generally. One is if you have the right side, having 30 Ooh. minutes for it to exert itself is not as good as having six. Now, this is, this is dream stuff, okay? This is really, really important because if you are spot on, and you've got the right side of a game. You do not want to simplify it down to a 15-minute or 30-minute. Minimize minute. the samples. Yeah, You want a big of, yeah. sample. You want a 60-minute sample because you have a clear, the most extreme example. Think about a season win bet. Mm-hmm. Baseball, 162 games. If you've got the right side of the season win. Let's say we were debating who's better, team A or team B. And one example could be they're playing one game on a neutral field. That's a great example. Yeah. So you could have a team versus team matchup. Yankees, Red Sox. You know what? If you've got the Yankees against the Red Sox, and they're 10 games better over the course of a season, you're going to win that absent injuries almost every time. And when you say 10 games better, that's just a way that it's a little confusing that you're defining them as better. But let's say they're 10% better. That's right. Over the course of a season, it's going to show itself more than a game. That's right. You win. You win unless there's injuries. But if they play in any one game, yeah, you have the edge. But now you're you know, you're going to win 55% of the time. Here's the question. If we're flipping a coin and I'm getting $1.10 for every head's and, and I'm paying you for every tail a dollar. Would we rather have a thousand flips like that, or would you rather have 500 flips at plus 112? Right. So mm-hmm. n- now at plus 112, each flip I have a bigger edge. But right? you'd 12, rather have the thousand. But I have less flips by more than the change in That's, the edge. Yeah. So same. in general, it's it, think of it like levers. The better the edge, the higher the sample, the more you're going to win. Mm-hmm. In this case, we think the edge is significantly more. The sample is cut in half. We still think it's worth. Like it. I bet a team to score like first or a team to score last in the first half that won 42 to seven and, and lost because I made that small sample bet, even though they crushed the other team. Like we almost won that one game where we had, what was it? Atlanta against Dallas or something? First quarter. First quarter. Yeah, okay. They would have kicked the field goal. They would have. <laughs> they lost by the like 30. Half, yeah. 43 to three. Well, they knew they had to go for it because a field goal wasn't going to help them. <laughs> Let me pose the following. It, Shanahan's known for game scripts, right? Meaning the set mm. number of 24. I think he yes. does 24 plays. Now, I looked at the EPA this season. The first quarter EPA was not better for San Fran. Mm. 
But in general, that feels like against Shanahan or against uh, McVay especially, it feels like that first quarter or, or or the early part of the game is even bigger advantage for San Fran. What yes. do you think? Yes. Looking at the last four games, and I guess a lot of this has to do with whether or not Jimmy is still compromised or not, five and a half points per per first half in the last four games. So they're not doing a whole lot in the first half. Let me talk about that. was one of my they points. Did, they with, had 16 the against the Cowboys, six in the other three games combined in the first one half. One of my biggest concerns about San Francisco was that Jimmy G, who's an average quarterback, all right, maybe slightly better than average, but he's 100%. So. He's got two injuries, right? He's got the shoulder injury and he's got the hand injury. And now all of a sudden, like, geez, is it going to be 50%? It's going to be 70%. Well, now one of the injuries, he's no longer on the injury report with the shoulder. Now all I got to do is worry about the hand. And the hand's had eight more days. You mentioned he didn't have to get a shot up in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And so clearly, we don't know if Jimmy G's, uh, you know, how much closer to 100% he is. But I don't think it's a leap of faith to say he's clearly healthier than he was last week. He's no. had eight days. Here's what I would say. And this was on the Ringer Gambling Pod, and I thought it was good, is in the Cowboy or against the, yes, against the Rams the first time, so we, or the most recent, week 18, he refused a shot. He didn't want a shot in the first half. Right. He played really poorly in that game. And then in the second half, he got the shot and he played better. Now let's think about this. That wasn't the down. Let me get these games straight here. Dallas was the first playoff game. In the, in the okay, so I'm thinking of, that's correct. Okay, and that makes sense because they were, remember, the Rams were up big and then the 49ers came back, right? Yep. So that would have been that game. The next game, he got the shot in the first half or before the game and played really well against Dallas. And that's the week they put up 16 in the first half. Right, and then he hurt his shoulder, though, early in the second quarter or second half, and then he didn't play well because yep. of the additional injury. Last week... With the weather, who's to say what was going on? But what we know is he didn't take a shot in his hand. So he was good enough with his hand. He didn't need a shot last week. In the Antarctic. Him. Yeah. And now Arctic. they're saying Arctic. now they're saying based on today's uh, news that Jimmy G's shoulder isn't even part of the injury report. So his hand's left, but his hand was good enough to not need a shot eight days ago. I think he should take the shot. But he didn't need it. Well, yeah, maybe it would have helped them last week is what I'm saying. Those idiot receivers could catch the ball. <laughs> they too. won. They were wide <laughs> They did open. win. Uh, he reminds me of the Sopranos, the time when they were recording, and Christopher goes, uh, the guy was a recovering drug addict. He goes, your songs suck. He goes, spike up. It's time to start to create music. <laughs> shoot up, Jimmy G. I shoot it up. 11.9 QBR won't get it done this week. So, do you, Fez, I think the logic of that feels convoluted, but it's like it's either the shoulder or the hand. The shoulder is not on the injury report anymore. The hand was good enough to not need a shot last week. I don't think the injury is a big part of it right exactly. now. Exactly. I agree. And I tell you what might be a big part, going to another point, Akers, the main running back for the Rams, two fumbles, uh, lost them both last week, almost cost him the game. I think this is a big deal. When you have that situation as a running back, you want to you want it to be instinct. You want to go and do your thing. You don't want to have to constantly be thinking, protect the ball, protect the ball. So I think that's an albatross that's hanging around his neck for this Well, it doesn't game. mean they don't play him. Go ahead. That leads to my other bet, oh, my prop. Mm. Cam Akers under 60 and a half yards. Ooh, I like that. Since he's been back... 2.5 yards per carry in the postseason. They're trying to use him like a bell cow like he was at the beginning. He's just not, though. He's got Off a, the Achilles. a 40.6 PFF grade in the playoffs. Losing those two fumbles, and then now this matchup, San Francisco, the last 10 games, one rusher over 50 yards. 
Cam Akers, and I think if anything, Sean McVay pulls back usage on Cam Akers and after last week. One fumble, and we're going to see a whole lot of Sony Michelle because the one thing Sony Michelle never does doesn't fumble. Never, dude, never fumble. So let's think about it. I like. I might take this play because you took my one and put it under my banner. What's I up? like. I like this. <laughs> Now, he, so think of what we're saying here. One, and you said this part, Fez, maybe he runs more apprehensively without as much – with some indecisiveness. He go, he has both hands on the ball, so it goes down easier. Who knows? It's what you would do, right? I, I, I would, would be do. protective. I would be protective of the ball. On the other hand, it could be usage, right? It, not just if he fumbles once. They, if, if you're McVeigh and it's a close call, who do you go with? You're going to go with a guy, guy who you don't think bunch. is going to give the ball away. So I, to me, and then number three, he looked horrible in the first. First of all, let's say something. If he had a full Achilles tear, this is one of one, him coming back this soon. We've never seen it. No. Achilles. Remember, Durant, I mean, it's basketball. It's a different thing. But, I mean, is running back any less physical? I don't think. Maybe it's a different <laughs> move. Yeah, but maybe the movements. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that that Durant was like 14 months in and didn't play at that one point. Yeah. Because he could have played after the, the bu- when the bubble happened or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and this guy did it within the same season? I mean, this is Jerry Rice stuff here. And then he had a real good game the second game. I don't know. It feels like that I don't know what was going on there. Did he restrain it? Is he fatigued because it's still hurt? Is the rest of his body less than 100%? But when you've had three games and two of them has been bad and one of them good, I think the odds are about 33% of having a good game is my guess. Mm -hmm. And with his volume, I mean, what's the assumption on that number, AJ, of his efficiency? Meaning that that we're assuming what and what with carry. Do we have a number on his carries? Uh, I can pull that up. But yeah, I'm just be curi- 15, I would think. But I'm curious yeah. to see. He had like, 24 they... carries last week for 48 yards. Yeah, I'm curious to see if they're assuming he's going to carry a lot or if he's going to um, just be particularly efficient. Yeah. Because there's no reason we think he'd be efficient. I hope they think he's going to carry a lot because then I think that's something. And maybe that's something to bet. I mean, do we want to bet against his game? I want to bet against his his actual yards more than even carries just because I I think there's a chance that he doesn't run a lot. And if that's the case, it goes under. And I think there's a chance they try to run him and it still goes under. They have a rushing attempts for Elijah Mitchell listed. Mm Mm-hmm. Not for Cam Akers. So, so I don't think we have to be worried about Elijah Mitchell on any injury report. You know, th- considering all the books are posting, you know, him at, in what the yeah. mid 70s for his. What, what's Elijah Mitchell? Mitchell, 19 carries? 19? Uh, no, uh, 17 and a half. 17 and a half. Okay. okay, so I am going to take as my prop <laughs> the under on Akers. What number you 60, got, AJ? 60 and a half. All right, and AJ's uh, tailing me on that. I, I like your play here. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. I, I, hey, listen, play. you got to know what. When you Super hear, sharp. You got to hear when you know. <laughs> you, you know, I would love maybe um, it's, McKenzie doesn't have enough to do anyway. It's a little pregame research. How does a running back do the game after f- losing two fumbles the game before? I would bet. A lot he goes under. That's interesting. I'd be more interested to see how many carries he gets. Yeah. Which is kind of the same thing in a way. Yeah. Okay, so I've got my two pieces. We just talked about the my under. I didn't make a bit sometimes I'm not wanna say I originated it, but I'm gonna say it's mine. And number two, I do like San Fran plus three and a half for the game. That's my pick. But I personally, I'll be betting more on plus three, minus one ten for the first half. That's the same for me. I like both of those. You like my prop? 
I love your prop. I got one more prop. All right, go ahead. I'm going to go Jimmy G. I believe it's under 226 for pass yards. I um mm. I just think bottom With his hand back to health. Huh? Even though Jimmy G's back and healthy, I just think the bottom line is that San Francisco is a team that just gets a whole lot of their yardage on the ground. And with familiarity of both teams, I just can see Mitchell going for for 80 yards. I can see Samuel running for 60 yards. I just don't think there's enough uh, usage for Jimmy G to get there past the 226 level. Further, because I like them, I think there's a good chance they could be ahead in the game and they run more. I agree. I, I'm going to give some numbers here on these games. Specifically, this is playoff versus playoff teams. So this is through the divisional round, so it counts the playoffs. And McKenzie did some good work on this. And really, this is an example, and it's funny, he hasn't had his best day today, and you know it's a bad day when I'm starting to feel sympathy, right? You know so, I love McKenzie. You love him? Oh, yeah. As, Not like Jimmy G. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. I mean, His jawline is nowhere near No, he sweet. just helps me make money, you know. That's... Yeah, but, and you need money to keep Jimmy G. Oh, wait, never. All right, so now... <laughs> Sugar baby. All right, so now let's look at, boy, Kansas City has played 11 playoff teams, games, San Fran 10, Rams 9, and no one else more. That's interesting. I never thought of that. Okay, guys, wrapping up, and then we're going to get the show's best bets. Any closing thoughts? Make your bets in this game official, Fess. So official bet, uh, San Fran plus the three mm -hmm. and a half for the game. Mm -hmm. I'm dovetailing with you in the plus three in the first half. Mm-hmm. And I'm going Jimmy G under 226 passing yards. Okay, AJ, you can ha if you want to jump on board my prop, that's fine. Okay, I'll 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 tag along on your prop under 60 and a half rushing yards for Cam Akers. I kind of lean the other way on the game, but I certainly don't Press have that the, button, baby. I certainly don't have those kind of stones. But what's the case? That Matt Stafford is playing more like mid-season Matt Stafford, and Jimmy Garoppolo has played so poorly of late. Yeah, and, and if I think one of the things here that makes this game, I mean, here's the first thing. If home field here is one point, one and a half. I'm not going past one. All right, so one. So in what world are the Rams two and a half? Well, forget two and a half. It's going through three. In, in what world is, if we assume three and a half is minus 165 with no VIG, and we call one worth, what, five cents? Yeah. I mean, let's even get conservative and say 10 cents of home field. So what makes the Rams 55 cents better than the 49ers? Nothing. Right? Other than 49er fatigue. This would, if the home field were three, this was like, if you told me these were even teams, I accept it because your point would be Fez, hey, they started the year even teams. One played better than the other. We're thinking maybe that's because of injury. But you know what? We're not sure. The reality is 16, 17 games they played with one team a little bit better. Now, the matchup says it's San Fran for sure. Exactly. But you know what? We don't know that either. So I could see the case being made that it's like, okay, Rams are a little bit better. 49ers are got the matchup advantage. Pick them on a neutral. Pick them on a neutral. I don't understand how it can get to the Rams beam. And I think that's a generous version for the Rams that we just did. I, I agree. And I think that we're going to see money on the 49ers because of this. And but I think it, it surged today on the Rams. Wednesday. Biggest story of the day. Let's see what happens on Sunday. Is there any Which way is square day? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously the nine Big the, Limit Day. The Niners Packers game's a coin toss. 
But to the average guy who looks at the box score, 30-27 Rams, that's a coin flip too. But the Rams dominated the Bucks. Like, or is there maybe some like if the if the if you take away half point. the turnovers, the, bias, the Rams were the only clean. Well, you could say if, if we're going to so, say they're so square, we're going to say they won in overtime, and it was a fluky bad call mm-hmm. by the defensive coordinator to blitz. What the hell was he thinking? Right. So I mean, how I don't like us thinking about how dumb the public is because. No, okay. But if it were if the if the final score of the Rams game was thirty to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Do, like, does three and a half changes. make sense? No, God, no. Okay. I don't think that score affects anything, really. Do, well, you know, it's interesting. At least in I'm my disagree, mind. I'm going to disagree All because right. when this line was up, when it was 30 to, to, to 13 or whatever, and it was four. So when the Tampa Bay came back, this line dropped from four down to the three and a half. It was some three. Yeah, but, 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 but that was a very illiquid market. We You're right. And I people mean, are reacting like, oh, you know, they're, they're watching the Rams melt down. You know, making horrible mistakes. It just—it's hard for me to picture. And you're right; there is recency bias that I watched that Allen Mahomes game, and I'm like, oh my god, you've got to have this great quarterback. And the Niners keep winning with defense and special teams, and it's—it almost feels like it's something that is unsustainable. But I—I I understand that that may that could just me be going off what I just saw, and it's probably square to think that way. Let me pose a question that might throw a curveball into this because I'm not sure how to reconcile this myself. So the line was five and a half, Green Bay hosting San Fran, right? Six and a half. It ended up closing at six and a half? I think. Remember, it was six and then went to five and a half. You're right, you're right. You're absolutely right. It closed. I'm thinking about the in-game line before the punt, which was minus six and a half late. So it was was six and then then as the injuries came in, it it went to five five and a half. half. Okay, so let's give Green Bay home field of three, which they deserve. So they were saying Green Bay is two and a half points better than San Fran, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, now the Rams not that long ago played in Green Bay. What was the line in that game? Rams were laying one. Yeah. Okay. So that means the Rams are four points better than Green Bay. Now, let's admit something. That was when the Smith brothers wasn't wasn't back and Green Bay was banged up. Well, they weren't banged up. That's the Smith brothers weren't back for they the time didn't play the whole when season. they got the number yeah. one seed, right? Mm-hmm. So we can dream on Bacchieri and whatever. Yes. It's like the reality is that team was that team. Mm-hmm. And but I will say. Let's adjust a point or even two for it was a horrible spot for Green Bay. They hadn't had their buy. Rams were off a buy. And it really was one of the worst spots of the year. But let's call it two points. But it still says Green Bay or Rams are two points better. That's a big adjustment, meaning we're conceding a good bit. So now, doesn't that mean then the Rams? Now, I know it was weeks ago, but like Green Bay didn't gain or lose very much between that game and this, you know, that game in this most recent game last week, they, they were considered one of the best teams in the NFC, one of the best teams in the yeah. NFC. Rams, I don't, I mean, I'm not saying they didn't ebb and flow, but they were at a high point there. They're kind of at a high point here, right? Yes. So my point is, it seems like there's four and a half points of difference here. That seems like almost irrefutably logical. Just like what I said about San Fran and the Rams, mm. it kind of makes us think that the San Fran getting the points last week was where the bat was. Because they, oh, because obviously if Green Bay they were underrated last Green Bay week, is not as good as if Green Bay at one point recently was not as good as the Rams. How the hell could we not have taken six and a half when we like three and a half against the Rams? Well, even if they were as good as the Rams, yeah. 
why would we be taking three and a half now, but not taking five and a half there? I think the narrative was we didn't trust Jimmy D with multiple injuries and he might be terrible in, in the Arctic. And are we that well, sure? Is that, are we that sure in eight days that that's gotten all? I mean, I think it has, but is that what this all pins on? Yes. And I'm pretty confident. I, you know, I liked a lot of. I, I don't like the fact that G threw two or three questionable out patterns. So you think if Jimmy G were healthy, that they would have been three and a half against Green Bay? Yes. Uh, I don't think so. I mm. don't. Wow. Okay. All right. So to me, there's always different ways to look at this. Now we're gonna make our bets official, but for we kind of have, right? Yes. Okay, and my bets are, and I don't want a ton of credit for this, but what's the guy's name? Cam Akers. Cam Akers. Under how many yards? 60 and a half. Yeah, that's my best bet on the prop. <laughs> and I like San Fran, and, and like I said in the first half, we got Diamond Dave Vassler, who has a pick on the total. Let's listen. I love and bet the 49ers Rams under 46 and a half. In fairness, I bet at 47 Sunday night. But it's solid to 46. The 49ers, they don't want to shoot up. Maybe the Rams do, but the 49ers are third in the league in yards per play. And by the way, the Rams are fifth. And you know, out of the box here, maybe the Rams are a little less focused early than they were last week. I know the magnitude of the game, but consider this. All the Rams' acquisitions have been with a purpose, and that's been to stay ahead of the Bucks. Floyd, Ramsey, Miller, now they've beaten the Bucks, and it could be a pro San Francisco crowd, so there's the potential for a little bit less then 110% effort. So I also bet the first half under. Look, the 49ers are a dead nuts under team. The only game in the last seven that did go over was against the Rams. And let's look at that game. San Francisco had 449 yards of offense. The teams combined to convert 61% of their third downs. Garoppolo threw for 316 yards, almost had three receivers, finished with 100 yards. Absolutely zero of those things are happening again this week. And in that game, San Francisco pressured Stafford on average in 2.2 seconds. Fastest snap to release on average, 2.3 seconds. That is happening again. Are the Rams an over team? Well, you'd think so with all the talk about that offense. The fact is the Rams haven't played two consecutive over games since the first week of October. This game has the same total as their meeting three weeks ago. It's not going over. The books haven't adjusted enough, so I gladly bet the under. You know, good point from Diamond Dave, also known as Uncle Dave. Rams 49ers combined to convert on 61% of the third downs. The EPA guys, the high math guys, love to downweight third downs because it's, it's sample size. It's, hey, these are high leverage plays. Sometimes in the red zone, it's four-point plays. If it goes one way or the other and they go at a propensity or at a uh, – predominance that is so much more than the regular season. If a team converts 40% of something in a given situation, but converts 70% in a game, it could be that they have a great matchup or it could be luck. And most of the time you want to smooth those things out. And that's when you're looking at the points here last game, they were so good on third down. I wouldn't expect that to continue. That lends itself to the under. Does that make sense? Makes complete sense. And by the way, when we're live wagering, the third down plays are so immensely leveraged that, like, every now and then we, we are able to bet, you know, after we see what the play is, it, it usually is worthless on first and second down. Even if you get a first down on first down, get 11 yards, but when you convert a third down, that's that's a three-point differential. That is the most leveraged play of, of each and every series. And obviously, as it makes sense, you guys both like in the 49ers, it's hard to picture the 49ers winning in a game that's played in, like, the 50s or 60s. 
harder to what games, what, what, in the 60s. Well, I'm just saying, if it, like some wild shootout game. Yeah. Is this a basketball game? <laughs> yeah, I could see that just because the 40, I mean, just plus even with for a fish and the 49ers do burn clock, right? Sure. So, okay, so we're going to give you the official best bets of the pod. First, though, and this is rare, we've got a commercial. Now, I'm going to let AJ read this. If he makes any mistakes, I'm interjecting. Go ahead, Aiden. Right now for listening to this podcast. Now, don't do it in like a radio voice. Talk to the people. Okay, because we love you guys. You don't love them yet. I do. You huh. like them. I do. All right, go ahead. I do. Uh, you can save 20% on any Best Bet package or subscription. It sounds like you're reading. I am. Don't read. Talk. Go to go to pregame.com. Okay. Use the promo code PREGAME20 right, at so checkout. PREGAME20. Easy so to pre-game remember. PREGAME is the same as pregame.com. That, yep. And 20, what's that got to do with? You save 20%. It's not that you date 20-year-olds. No. Okay. You did. Sure. There was okay. a time. There was a time. <laughs> it's pre-game 20. You get 20%. Now, that's only on smaller picks, right? No. That could be on a season-long package. That could be on a best bets package. Could be on whatever you want. Any package you want at pregame.com. Use that promo code. What about, code. Like, like, Fez, you've got... Can't get my annual, can you? Yes. Well, wait a minute. I'm a winner, not a loser. Okay, now let's think about this, Fez. You've got, I've been hearing mumblings, rumblings about your Super Bowl package. What's the story with that? Yeah, so Super Bowl package currently available, $39. Why are you going into radio voice? Just talk. All right, $39 to get all of my Super Bowl picks. I went nine and one last year. And in- So what, not, wait a minute. You had 10 picks, you won nine of them. Yes. You lost one. I did. Is that documented? It is. In front of the world. It is. How have you done in the Super Bowl generally? Very well. Last four years, 27 and nine. That's 75%. 27 and nine. 75%. Wow. That's better than AJ. That is. Oh. All right. Now, you're pro- You're a prop master. What do you think of a- uh, Acres under here? I love Acres. Yeah. yeah. That's free. Hope he fumbles <laughs> in the first play. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. F him. Doghouse. All right. Now, so you, what you're saying, all joking aside, is you've got a long-term winning record. And you're even hotter in the short term. Yes. How, but nine and one, wasn't there something like you're 17 and two? I actually, on my own personal bets, I believe it was something like 29 and six. So well, I don't get, but well, I can't benefit from that. I well, might you can be able benefit to. Because what I do is I list like there's, there's widely available bets. Mm-hmm. And then I say, by the way, guys. So I, how are you on the widely available in the last couple of years? 16, two and one. Okay, that was kind of pulling teeth to get yeah. that. That's a good number, though. 16, 2, and 1, widely available. I'd play the Matador music. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Now, now, though, in the longer you are – well, no, let's not do longer. Let's talk about the bets that are available in some spots. How have you done on those? I have to review them, but, but it's, we did. It's phenomenal. Strong. Okay, yes. next week we'll get – so how much does that cost typically? Typic- let's get Tom on, Mike. Tom's here today. Tom, how much is that? Not sure where Tom went. Oh, he's probably smoking cigarettes somewhere. Tom, come here. How much? You can talk into Fez's mic. How much is Tom or a Fez's Super Bowl package? Right now, it's $39. Like talking to the mic like you're actually talking $39. You were a musician, right? Yes. Did you mic your drums like from eight feet away? No. But you're you're still talking from really far away. You're building like a home studio, right? (laughs) Yes. And do you mic your drums how? Close. Okay. So you got it figured now? Yes. How much is it? $39. Now, if he if we use the code pregame20, it's going to be 20% off. So how much is that? I don't know. 
<laughs> so he he does sales, but math isn't his strong as Sue. That's that shows you we're not there, Nick on diamond. Thirty-one twenty. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Faz. All right. All right. Well, I think I, I I think that's as good a commercial as you've ever done, AJ. Thank you, RJ. Let me try. Let me. Do, I'll do it your way, though. Just go to pregame.com and click buy pick link at the top of the page. Does that sound right? Sounds about right. <laughs> or if you are using the phone, what? <laughs> There's something using a phone. Oh, okay. Why didn't you add this information? Because you told me not to read. I was. Just <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. You ready for this? You ready? Faz, we know you got to go. How many times are you going to be hitting that phone? It's 8 o'clock. You got to go, right? Right. Relax. Relax, baby. We're talking to the people right now, and we're promoting you. You think you'd be happy right now. Remember I was talking about... I'm happy. Yeah. Remember I was talking about the grave of Jimmy, or you were, made the joke about the grave, and I said, yeah. I, I, I've dug the, the hole? Yeah. This is where I came from. The contract's already down on your pile. The guys, the guns, the line pit's already dug. Just one bug may push. The lime pit is already dug is scary to me. <laughs> that was on Trevor Lawrence. The RJ's dug the lime, the lime pit on. The lime pit's already dug. Okay. Right next to Sam Darnold's lime pit. Now, here's the mechanics of it. You go to pregame.com. You click the buy picks link on the top of the page. That's simple. But if you use a phone, a mobile device, then the buy picks link will be on the menu options area. Just select any package once you get in there, any sport you want. So it can be NFL. It can be whatever. Use your your coupon code, pregame20. That's all one word. Two zero, the numbers. Yeah, that's right. And that's it. And you can get Fezzes, you can get AJs, you can get anybody. McKenzie's. McKenzie's. He's been hot in the NBA, Killing right? It. What's been your NBA recently? Not sure. Plus eight units on the season, nine and one in our three-star plays. Well, you said not sure. Uh, I, I try not to check every day. You know, just Did try you, to give out the best play I can. You don't check your record? How I mean, do you promote your records? Every three or four days, I look it up, but in, no, in no, the no, mean, no, no, meantime, no. I try no, not to look. No, 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 no. Every day, because you don't want to give it. I mean, what you do is have unupdated records, and what people are going to perceive is if you win, you update. If you don't, you don't. That's an old tout trick that we don't do because we don't tout. You follow me? Yes. So you update every day. Done. Got All it. Right. Okay. You know that, AJ? Yes, sir. Because back in the day, Fez, you probably were around these people at some point. They would update when they win and not update when they lose. That's right. So either before you go to sleep at night or first mm -hmm. thing when you wake up. Either one's good. You update the record better before you go to sleep at night. I'm here to make justice happen. Uh, I appreciate that about you. All right. So did you see how I did that without reading it? Very strong. Well, sure. No, no. I, <laughs> I read it to consume the information. Okay. But then I gave it to the audience through my heart. Yes. Pre-game 20, baby. Let's do it. Pick a winner. Pick a winner. That's true. Here we go. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece oh, of my mind. I wasn't a hater. I just didn't understand. Like I, I didn't watch Blossom, and that's what I got, got grief for. I have no idea who Adele is. <laughs> that's a difference. It's not Blossom, but okay. <laughs> I think she's Hillary Clinton's friend, right? I don't know. All right. <laughs> you know what's funny? I am getting pretty bad about knowing like the people you're supposed to know, you know? I don't even know where to go to find. I like to, I could spend 10 minutes a week reading about the newest people, especially if they're hot, but I don't even know where to go. TMZ. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Okay. 
Is it the 49? I mean, I we got what? What's our choice? So we I was 49ers. What I'm 49. So for the side. What was your side though? Okay. Oh, that was his side. The side the RJ side, San Francisco plus three and a half. Fez's side, San Francisco plus three and a half. And the first half. And my total is Kansas City team total over 31. All right. So I think on the side it's gonna be San Fran. Yes. That is the official pick of the pod. Now, the derivative can be anything else, but we don't want it to be a variation of San Fran. Because we don't want it to be like, uh, you know, the same bat. Just a, like the first half doesn't work for that. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So throw that out. Now, what else we got? What else do you have? Let's just go around the horn. Mixon, running back of the Bengals, under 57. Nah, that's not going to be it. Uh, then the, the team total for Kansas City and then the acres under. The- I like, do you like the team total Kansas City? Yes, over 31? 31. Very much. All right, let's do that. Okay. All right, baby. We got both games. Both games. Haven't done the Hitman yet. You got the Hitman coming up. Fez is always worried about the Hitman. He wants to keep the info flowing, baby. <laughs> I owe the Hitman a rack of ribs, man. Well, that means he, he won you something? He did. That's good. So somehow. No, I, I, we went heads up. Chiefs, right? Oh, on what? Green Bay game, San Francisco. Oh, oh. And, and was it at the uh, market price? Yes. Oh, my God. So you were crying about the block punt, right? Yes. You didn't account for th- the number 32 ranked special, special teams. teams? 10 minus 10 EPA. Yep. So if they played that game again, who would you take? It's a great question. I'm well, not sure. Let's listen to the hit, man. The winner of the ribs against Fez, but some would say it's lucky. Let's listen. Best bet. CJ Uzama under 36 and a half receiving yards. Good down to 33. I'm fading recency bias here with this play against Uzama. During the regular season, he went over this number only four times in 16 games and averaged 30.8 yards per game. The line is up to 36 and a half due to him going for 64 and 71 yards in his last two games. However, one thing box score doesn't show is that Uzama gained 32 yards on a dump off pass as time expired from Burrow at the end of the half when Cincinnati caught the Titans with seven defenders deep in the end zone protecting against the Hail Mary. Uzama faced the Chiefs earlier this season in a game where Burrow threw for 446 yards on his third most pass attempts of the season and still finished with only four catches for 32 yards. I'm going to be fading what I consider to be a league average player and hoping that Cincinnati finds the four more dynamic passing game weapons in their offense over Uzama in this one. Best bet, CJ Uzama under 36 and a half receiving yards. Okay, it's tight end. I'm going to try this. Uzama. CJ right? Uzama, yes. CJ Uzama. Sounds good. What do you think, Fez? I can't endorse this one. Wow, you want to bet a rack of ribs? <laughs> mm. No. But let me pay off. Don't let him cherry. Yeah, don't let him cherry pick <laughs> Here's his Here's my only concern. The fact that Chase went for like 266 in their first matchup. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but if I'm Kansas City, I'm not letting that guy go off again. And that means less usage for Chase, means more usage for the other Bengal receivers. There are many of them. Or isn't the correlation, isn't there a zero-sum game almost between running back carries and tight end uh, targets? It's not going to be the tight end or the outside receiver. It's going to be run the ball or throw the ball six yards. Yes. So you like the under for running, don't you like so the that over? That means the over for that. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. a little correlation here. Yes. Now DraftKings, obviously they're savvy with these same game parlays, where if there's a correlation, they're they're taxing you for it hard, right? Like more un- unfairly, hard. unfairly. Yes. But most people don't know, and we don't know sometimes how to exactly figure the correlation. That's a error towards more. Yes. Do or is and I know you don't play DraftKings directly. 
and as a waste management consultant, you wouldn't necessarily do it illegally like that, but not illegally, but you know, gray area. From what you've heard, with something like that correlation, that we think it's a small one, if you two teamed up, let's say the under and the running back and the over and the tight end, would they charge you any, would they take away any of your payout through correlation? Yes. They so just th assume that there's correlation even when it's, it, it's unclear there so, is any. So, any. so anything in game, they're going to assume it? That's what I'm seeing. In fact, I, um, I cannot confirm this, but one of my... Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. He put in a nine-team parlay, and then he added a tenth play. How do you do that? You just you stack them all up, and they like you leave an a dollar. open slot. No, no, you put in a you, he put in a nineteen parlay. He didn't hit submit yet. Uh huh. So oh, he, he didn't put it in. Right. So let's say it paid two hundred dollars. Yeah. Then he added a tenth option. All right. Another uh -huh. one has to win. It paid less when he added the tenth option. Because they adjusted all the lines from the because other one. Because the algorithm was just such that they penalized him such so, so much for adding the tenth game, he got paid less. So obviously that couldn't be mathematically it can't correct. Be, it can't be correct. Jesus. God, what's funny? Here's beware. the thing. Here's the thing, though. They got it figured out. This is a. I mean, this was one of those you know billion dollar ideas because people want to bet multiple things on the same game. They don't really understand correlation, but they also don't understand payout. That's right. So it's like they just say, is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. Six to one? Yeah, sounds good. I can't good. believe they're letting me bet Mahomes over and Chase over yeah. and, and, and Burrow over together. But in a way, you guys sounded like that when you were thinking over in the Chiefs-Bangles. You were, you were seeing all the positives, but not the price. Ooh. Yeah. Always think about the That's price, right. AJ. I do when I go to lunch. If it's too high, I have someone else pay. <laughs> <laughs> Any closing thoughts, guys? No. No. Hey, we've gotten a ton of support lately, especially. We've been more focused. You know what? We listen, and we're going to keep that way. We're going to have a pod next week, and it will be two parts. One is early preview on the Super Bowl. Number two, some macro stuff about the NFL directional and stuff you know 20 minutes half hour on that same time same place enjoy the games and let's just uh twitter it's aj is real really really real is a that right aj is the real is the real and that is that a movie real no so r-e-a-l yes is that because the iron sheik though right that is that was your brush with fame that was An 80s until wrestler. i met you how about ram randy rams ramsbury from the wrestler did you know him i did not know him i think he's a made-up character Mickey Rourke's a real person. I, you know, that's true. <laughs> Fez, great at, movie. It's, 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 it's a great movie. At Fezzik Sports. F-E-Z-Z-I-K. At Fezzik Sports, all one word. At RJ in Vegas. You know something? One of my favorite movie moments is that the end. Yeah. But not that. At the very end of The Wrestler, when he's been going after uh, Marissa Tomei the whole movie, right? And they're having fun and then not. And then she shows up and says, hey, maybe I should take a shot. Maybe I should take a shot. And he's looking at her like, you think this is the dream, right? You hear Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine, I think it was, kick up. He goes, thanks, honey. He goes, that sounds good, but I got to go do my thing. And he goes out to the song. And it's just like, that's the movie right takes there. Takes on the Ayatollah. Yeah, but it's like, he goes, I appreciate that, but I got to go do my thing. We said we were going to give these numbers at the end, I'm just going to tweet them out because it's going to be better in a grid. So you can check them on Twitter by, uh, let's say, Thursday morning. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Check it out there.